0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
1: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's
0: 332. I'm James Erpine In for Mo. This is ESPN 1530 on Twitter at James Erpine. I'll get to your calls on Tyler Eifert coming up in a bit, but Joe Goodberry is on Twitter at Joe Goodberry joins me pretty frequently here on ESPN 1530. He's on with me now, and Joe, you've watched, uh, I appreciate the time, you've watched every single snap of Tyler Eifert's career, and I began the show making the case to keep him. I think it's pretty simple. The 32nd-ranked offense, can't let an elite talent just walk out the door, give him an an incentive-laden deal, which the Bengals don't typically do, and keep him around here next year. What are your thoughts uh, about keeping Tyler Eifert around? And, and when you watch the film, is there a big difference between him and, and the Tyler Croft and C.J. Uzama's of the world?
1: Yes, there is a big difference. Uh, the, the biggest thing, and, and, you know, if people have maybe a recency in their minds, Tyler Eifert was a shell of himself this year. I, he never looked as quick as normal. He never looked as agile. Um, he, he wasn't getting open. I mean, it didn't, it didn't last long, but he was on IR pretty quickly. It's been almost three years since we've seen a fully healthy Tyler Eifert 2015, and that was a fantastic year. Uh, and that year, he was a red zone threat, a target, a guy you can use consistently down there. Uh, but he stretched the field, too, up the seat. He's a guy you can split out wide. You can put him in the slot. You can run uh, wide receiver routes with him. And what it does is it creates a mismatch on every single play something the Bengals desperately need when when it's just A.J. Green the last couple of years um, is, is finding a guy that can just line up and win, no matter the situation. And that's Tyler Eifert when he's healthy. Croft had a very good year, and he was one of the best, biggest surprises uh, of the season. Uh, but for the most part, he's not a guy getting open because he's a dynamic athlete or because he's a great route runner. He's a big body with good hands, and he's tough. I mean, he he made a lot of nice catches, a lot of red zone catches, but at the same time, uh, he you know, he wasn't changing the game. He wasn't stretching the field up the seam. Uh, defenses really weren't concerned with him. Uh, there was a lot of games he, he disappeared and we didn't see him. And that's the case sometimes with a lot of players on this offense. But uh, the difference between the two is that Eifer is an elite talent in terms of ball skills, ball tracking, uh, route running, agility, and combined with that size. He's a wide receiver playing tight end. And, and uh, the thing is, Is he healthy? And that's always the question with with Tyler Eifert. But because he's coming off another injury, um, you know, the the team will know how he's doing. How is his rehab doing? Can you even sign him right now? Can you even sign him for this year? If he heads in the free agency, is he able to even take visits and work out? Or are teams going to have to wait until August to sign him? I I don't know that. And uh, even if it's a one-year deal that's incentive-laden where if he plays uh, you know, twelve games at least, and catches sixty passes. You know, decent, decent targets to, mm-hmm. to, for him to reach. It, it, I could see that deal, and that's what makes sense. I think that makes sense for whoever signs him. Yeah. The difference will be the guaranteed money. Um, the Bengals don't typically give out a large amounts of guaranteed money. I think it'd be very hard to justify giving out large amounts of guaranteed money to Eifert. But another team out there that really lacks weapons—I I sound like I'm describing the Bengals—but another <laughs> team with that money that will shell that out as probably the best option for him. That way he knows he can make some. He can bet on himself at the same time if he does stay healthy. But, yeah, at the same time, he makes a little bit in case he isn't.
0: Yeah, I look at it that way. And and I just – I think this team is that, that team that needs weapons, that needs elite talent. I keep hearing how Andy needs more weapons. Well, we are still waiting for the Bengals to find a replacement for Marvin Jones. It's – it's going to be very hard for them to find a replacement for a guy like Tyler Eifert. To me, why not give him, I don't know, 2 2 million dollars for this year with a bunch of incentives to where he can get to that 7 or 8 million mark. The Bengals just don't do that historically, but it's something to me that I think they should look at.
1: And the thing with putting all these incentives in for Tyler Eifert's contract is they won't count against the cap next year because they're likely they're not likely to be earned based on the last year. Um, If you put he's got to be active for 10 games, he didn't do that last year, so that doesn't count against the cap. If you put he needs to catch 40 passes, that won't count against him again because he didn't do it last year. So likely to be earned and not likely to be earned incentives count differently against the cap, and all of Eiferts will be not likely to be earned. Uh, So he would be a very low cap hit, but potentially could make himself a lot of money. So that's why I do see it making sense. I just wonder if another team is going to say, you know what, we think – we can take this bet right now. We are devoid of talent. What what he brings when he's healthy could change our offense, and we need a guy like Tyler Eifert. We'll bet a little bit more on him than the Bengals will, and I could see that happening.
0: Joe Goodberry is our guest. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Joe, let's dive into uh, the Senior Bowl, because the Senior Bowl practice kicked off today, and I'm seeing all these hand measurements and different things, and Josh Allen's making headlines saying something about Aaron Rodgers in one of his interviews, and now people are in an uproar. You're, you follow the draft as close as anyone. You watch all the film. What is so, or, or what is the importance? Why should fans pay attention to the senior bowl, and, and what do you use it for as far as your evaluation process?
1: Well, it's the first time you see these prospects outside of the comfort of their university. Um, and, and that's important because, obviously, every single one of these guys are going to have to make that transition in some way to the NFL. And a lot of times these measurements are to confirm what you saw on tape or what they're listed as with their college, but a lot of times these guys are listed incorrectly at their college or they're listed what they were three years ago. So a lot of times these guys will be uh, an inch shorter, maybe 15 pounds heavier or lighter. That makes a difference. Now, if a guy can play, he can play. But at the same time, you want to be able to fit guys into what you have, like if you have a prototypical for quarterback, you need them. You want them to be six foot three at least, two hundred twenty pounds. If they're above it, six five, two forty five, like Josh Allen, that's fantastic. You want their hands to at least be uh, nine and a half inches, and anything less is a concern because you can have fumble issues, not be able to grip the ball in, in bad weather. Uh, this, the spiral, as they say, is not as tight. A lot of different things that I don't know if they matter, but most guys who have big great measurement and great athleticism turn out to be good players. And the guys who don't have a chance to fail. And that's why you're just eliminating guys. If a, guy, if a player comes in and he, now he's, he's 5'9 and 185 pounds, well, that's going to drop him down. Whether he's a good player or not, it's going to drop him down a little bit because the value isn't going to be there. Uh, but besides that, besides the measurements, and that's a big thing, it's seeing these guys in, in, under an NFL team's practice. Uh, Going against great competition. I mean, you watch Alabama going against SEC defenses or these, these bowl games at the end of the year. That's when you see really good competition. But this is even better. They're going against the best of the best from all over the country and in isolated situations, which is great if you're watching film and you want to watch draft prospects. You want to isolate them from the offensive scheme, or whatever route they're running, or, or a bad throw by the, court, by the quarterback, whatever the case may be. You want to see one-on-one matchups. How does this guy win? How does he look next to other, you know, you got five other seniors and this wide receiver is running a route, and he runs it better than the other guys. Does he run it quicker? Does is he, is he run it sharper? Does he, is, does he, you know, stem his route better, stay vertical and break off it quicker? It's easy to compare when you see these guys going back to back to back. They really start to separate themselves. The competition is more than just an all-star game. Uh, it's not like the Pro Bowl. It's, these guys are fighting for their jobs and fighting for the right to be drafted higher. Um, I, like, I like it a lot. I remember a couple years ago, guys like Aaron Donald was a second-round pick coming in this game, and he couldn't be blocked. And after that, people were like, he's a top-15 pick. He's a top-10 player. Uh, and from there, he, he, you know, he did the rest with the combine and, and, and the tape. But and what it does is you see a guy stand out, you write them down, say, I'm going to go watch his games. And if, he's, if he looks the same during the game, that's how you see those guys start flying up the board. They can go up one, two, three rounds sometimes.
0: Joe Goodberry is our guest. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Joe, are there any players that you have your eye on? Are there specific players that you have your eye on, or is it just kind of a, a blank slate where you look at it and wait to see who, st- uh, who stands out during the Senior Bowl?
1: It's both for sure. I like to let guys jump out and grab my attention because that's going to happen. Uh, you know, whether I'm trying to focus on a player uh, and someone keeps popping up on the screen or keeps making a play, it, that's going to pull my attention anyway. So I always, I'm always open to that. But there are a few guys. There's three offensive linemen I think in this in this uh, game here that are probably day two picks, and uh, so far this first practice, they've really stood out. Uh, two guys, Alex Kappa, a guy from Humboldt State, he's an offensive tackle, about 6'6", 300 pounds, he weighed in today. That's a Division II school, but when you watch him, and people have been throwing highlights of his on Twitter all year, he just wrecks people. And, yes, it's Division II, but he is throwing guys down. He, he's mauling people. He's got the attitude, and he's already thrown a couple people down in one-on-one practices today. To go up from Division II into an All-Star game uh, at the Senior Bowl and still stand out, that shows a lot. That's going to move him up. You know, uh, When you don't see him against that type of competition, that's the question. And when he comes up and, and, and he's playing as well as he has so far in one practice, teams are going to say, okay, he can handle it. He's got the talent. They're going to figure out why he went to a Division II school. But in the meantime, it's showing that he can play. And another guard right now, uh, well, uh, Kappa is a tackle guard, Isaiah Wynn from Georgia, he's had a couple of really nice blocks, so I've allowed him to just jump out and grab my attention. He's a 6'2 and a half, 300 300-pound uh, guard. Powerful, though, with max Leverage being that short. He's already getting under guys and tossing them. Uh, and then uh, there's an offensive tackle from Pittsburgh. I want to see Brian O'Neal. He's another guy, 6'6", six, six, 300 pounds. Uh, he's athletic, but I take he's kind of raw a little bit. If he's a second, third-round pick, uh, I, I think that's an ideal developmental guy if you have a year to give him to – to get into your system, but being an athlete, I think he fits what the Bengals are probably going to with Frank Pollock's wide zone running scheme.
0: Joe Goodberry is our guest. Uh, Joe, let's let's transition to Mike Brown, because uh, one thing he told Jim Osarsky, uh or maybe it was with Bengals.com, I know he sat, sat down with both of them, but he, but he was talking about the the amount of money that, that they could spend in free agency and in, in discussing that. And I look at this team, and it just seems like he's so stubborn and unwilling to go out and add outside free agents. I know line is going to be a big topic in the draft, uh, but, but to me, it makes sense to go out and maybe find a, a lineman, a veteran lineman, not named Andre Smith, that can help you now. How frustrating is it as a fan? And you've been a fan for as long as, at least as long as I can remember. I know back to the, the all of the Marvin Lewis era for sure. How frustrating yeah. is that to see?
1: I think it's very frustrating. I think that's the, the probably the, the thing that's at the tip of everyone's tongue this offseason is, is this team going to actually make an effort in free agency to... and it, You know, everyone thinks that they, they confuse this with throwing money at anybody and just spending it like crazy. And I don't think anybody wants that. I, uh, if anything, we want them to sign quality players that can help this team get over the hump. And... I remember during those, I, I felt like what they were Super Bowl windows between 2012 and 2015, maybe even 16, if you want. Then um, they didn't attack free agency, and now they had a great roster at that time. A top, I, everyone thought it was a top three or five roster in the NFL, and there were so many times where they said, well, we've got to extend our own, we've got to keep our own, and they did for the most part. Um, and they couldn't really jump into free agency. I, I can buy that excuse. I think the last couple of years now, when they haven't had to extend their own, or they chose to let guys go instead of extending them, uh, there's no excuse not to dip in. They every year they have about 35 to 40 million dollars in cap space. Uh, this year is going to be no different. You look at what the Eagles did. Look at what the the Patriots did. I love that these two teams consistently make free agent signings and trades to bolster their roster. And they're both in the Super Bowl right now. I went over what the Eagles did in the past year, and it's insane. They only had about $9 million in cap space going in the last year. <laughs> and they, they they signed a lot of guys that made impacts, not yeah. only just impacts all year, impacts in the championship game. From Elshon Jeffrey and Tory Smith having 150 yards and three touchdowns to J.A. Jaye and, Le- and, Le- and Garrett Blount at running back. Nick Foles was a free agent addition. Yeah, they knew him, but he was a free agent addition, and he paid off because he fits their system, and he, and he got into to the. The Super Bowl. Uh, two offensive linemen: uh, um, Chance Warmack, Stefan Woszuski. The year before, uh, I trading for Timmy Jernigan at defensive tackle, Ronald Darby at corner, signing Patrick Robinson at corner. who had a great year for them. Uh, there's a lot of ways to do it, and they didn't spend crazy money. What they did is they brought a lot of these guys on one-year deals. Uh, Elshawn jeffrey one-year deal. Timmy Jernigan, they trade for, and then they extended them in the off-season. Once they once they got them in, once they figured out they fit through camp, through preseason. They extended them. I like that idea. And I just like that the Eagles did so much in free agency to make their team better, and it's gotten them where they are right now. Without a doubt, you cannot make the argument that that free agent period didn't get them to the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And that's that kind of leads me to my next point, because let's just say they don't think they have enough cap space. I'm going to give you three names. Uh, Mo mentioned them on the show yesterday and then you let me know if they showed up in film or if those are must-have, must-keep names, or must-keep players. Um, Michael Johnson, Adam Jones, Brandon LaFell, because if they moved on from those guys, it would free up nearly $15 million against the cap. Uh, Your thoughts on what you watch. You watch every single snap that they took this year. Uh, How much did they offer the Bengals?
1: I would say my thoughts overall are the same, exe- same as 2017. They, we made this argument in 2017 that they didn't need those three guys, yep. and uh, they decided to keep them. And that 15 million dollars was the difference between Andrew Whitworth. Uh, you know, wow. I would rather have Andrew Whitworth and figure it out uh, from there. They ended up not needing. Now, Michael Johnson had a, had a pretty good year with well, this late in his career, but at the same time, that's not an irreplaceable stat line or a guy that, or an impact that's irreplaceable. You could have found that somewhere. Uh, I mean, everyone was claiming or clamoring for uh, Jordan Willis and Carl Lawson to get more snaps towards the end of the year. Chris Smith could have eaten some of those snaps. So, yeah, I don't. They don't need those guys. They really yeah. don't. Now, I understand there's questions at receiver because John Ross didn't get to play much. Because even though Malone got a lot of snaps, he didn't really produce. Tyler Boyd, while well, he ended the year really hot, there was a lot of questions throughout the year of what he is and what he can offer. Uh, so I understand if they say they want LaFell, but LaFell again. The role he played, where it was way too big in this offense, where they relied on him way too much, he played the most snaps at receiver. Uh, that can't continue if you're going to keep him. pac Jones, at this point, he, I think he has an option. So it would make sense to me that either he either retires or they decline the option. And Michael Johnson, I still think that's a neat position, even if you keep him. So, for, in my opinion, you let him go and you look in the free agency to fill that, or or the draft to take another defensive end, D tackle, combo guy. I just think those three find players, veteran guys that they like, and that's the Bengals have leaned on that way too much under Marvin Lewis. I think it's about time to get some upside, uh, bring some guys in with a little bit of unknown that can potentially be better. Yeah, they may be worse. They may not fit in the locker room just as good, but at the end of the day, they may make more plays or be more healthy in the case of Pac-Man Jones.
0: Joe, final question for you. You've been great with your time. Uh, Jim, uh, Jim, uh, Todd Haley, excuse me, I was getting to my tease for next segment. Uh, Todd Haley joins the Browns as the offensive coordinator, joins Hugh Jackson up there. They have a bunch of draft picks, obviously a bunch of cap space. Are the Browns closer to turning it around than we realize with Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley together with all the cap space and the GMs and and all that stuff?
1: The two concerns, and they're the two most important concerns on, on on any team, is head coach and quarterback. And for the Browns, uh, while Kaiser, I thought, flashed at times, I don't think you're at sitting number one. You know, if they make the right pick, they're out of the basement very quickly. I, I think their-, their roster is good enough to have a quick turnaround if they find the right quarterback. I start to wonder about Hugh Jackson, though. I think Todd Haley helps if Hugh Jackson allows him to run his offense. Because uh, there were times last year watching Jackson uh, control that offense and, and the entire team they just had so many guys out of position or as if he didn't know what they were or what they could and couldn't do. It was very confusing. And I don't feel like he maximized anybody on that offense and a lot of guys on defense too. Uh, So I don't know if Jackson's the right coach, but if they find the right quarterback, it really doesn't matter. We've seen that around the league. If you find the, the quarterback, then you can rotate a lot of different coaches in there and get the same results. So yeah, I don't think they're far off. Uh having the number one pick helps out a lot. And they have the number what? Four pick I four. Yep, That could four. be, yeah. Say you get say if Josh Rosen or Josh Allen whoever their guy is at number one. Uh and then come back and get a Saquon on Berkeley or something. Yeah, they're very close and and in fact they are uh they're they're kind of scary at that point.
0: Yeah, they could also I was thinking like they could get Kirk Cousins and then use both yeah. draft picks. <laughs> Because they have a ton of cap space. It's unreal, like $80 million, I think, or $70 million, So, He's Joe Goodberry. Yeah, sure you, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, yeah, they're one of the teams that I could see saying uh, we can throw money at Kirk Cousins because it doesn't affect us. I think Cousins is a – because I've gotten the question, I don't know if you have for the Bengals, well, well is Kirk Cousins an upgrade? Yeah. And for me, I, I think the price of what he's going to command in an open market for the amount of upgrade you get is not worth it. But for a team like the Browns, where cap isn't an issue and – where they're at at quarterback, then it would be definitely worth it for them.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. He's Joe Goodberry. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry, for a bunch of draft stuff as well as senior bowl coverage. Joe, as always, man, I appreciate the time. Thanks, James. Good stuff from Joe there. Covered up a a bunch of stuff. Man, that interview went long. I'm way behind. Taryn's going to kill me. Jim Osarski, Cincinnati.com, coming up in 10 minutes. Jay, I'll get to you next on ESPN 1530